Okay, so hello, welcome to a new episode of our MBSE podcast. Uh, today we start our new series, MBSE in the field, and take a look at how MBSE is used in practice. Our guest is from the company Wanderländer, and well, although you may have never heard of the company, you have mostly likely worked with the system either directly or indirectly. Among other things, Wanderländer develops package handling systems for airports. So and we are pleased to have Fati Akan as our guest today. And Fati, please introduce yourself. Hi, Tim, Christian. Thanks for having me in this uh, amazing MBSC podcast, first of all. Um, my name is Fati Erkan. I work in architecture and strategy team in Wanderlande. We are, as, as a team, defining the reference architectures uh, and design methods and the guidelines for all of our business segments. You can generalize our domain as material handling systems in Wanderlande. That's not only airports, but, but also... Recording in progress. But also the, the warehousing domain and the parcel domain. Uh, we delivered solutions to, to our customers, which are uh, like Hong Kong airports, Heathrow airports, Orlando, Amsterdam, Istanbul airport, uh, Amazon, Lidl, FedEx, uh, UPS, DHL are also our customers for warehousing and parcel business. So we are global leader in airports, but also a key player in these other businesses. Um, I started to work for One Land in 2017 uh, as a solution architect in, in airports business segment. And then uh, we, I also moved to this uh, new role uh, last year. Uh, my, my bachelor and master degree is in embedded software and, and hardware engineering. That was the, the first five years of my 15 years of engineering story. And later on, I became a systems engineer in the air defense and reference systems. And in, in 2017, after uh, doing this uh, weapon systems engineering for six years, I moved to Netherlands to work for Vandalande. And for the last four years, basically, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm doing this uh, systems architecting both for the projects and also for the technology R&D side of development. Okay, very cool. Cool experience. Uh, good good kickstart for MBSE. So could you give us a brief uh, motivation? What was the yeah the beginning of the journey, the MBSE journey at Vanderlande? And when did it start? How did it start? Well, I need to take it all the way from the beginning. The foundation of the company is going 1949, and you might imagine the evolution of the, the design was bottom up. Like in other words, it was from mechanical to electromechanical, then electromechanical to embedded software first, and then to application software. And somewhere around 2000, 2005, the complexity became higher, and basically it becomes a, a complex system. Um, and then at that time, the company already started to invest on having a stable requirements management environment, configuration management, change management. It was not just the military standard documents like OCD, SSS, SSDD, 
but we also started to see some visual drawings which which was explaining the material flow diagrams which is very critical in the logistic domain so all of these things try to be taken under control in a in, in a stable configuration management but you can imagine when this, when the systems are getting more complex and you can lose the traceability easily and at the same time we were forcing our um, internal design to be more platform based like creating reusable assets that that each project can can reuse what we are building and th this brings extra complexity and somewhere in 2005 2010 we already started to see that it's it's getting more difficult to to make a reliable change impact analysis on the things which are changing in your technology domain on the customer side and that's why even actually before me starting to, to work for this MBSE all the way back in 2010 we started to see some UML models appearing especially in the software environment but you can imagine the UML models are also used to, to explain system level things and at that time Vandalanda was working with IBM in certain projects so that's why IBM rational draws was appearing at that time so when I look at the history I can still see these type of models um, 2010 by the way 2010 they used rational roles for in UML projects yeah there was again 2010 was still a little bit influencing relationship between IBM and Vandalanda at that moment mm -hmm. but later on Vandalanda are influenced by this and I, I started to um, when I started to investigate backwards, I think 2013 is the year when, when I have seen some reference models appearing. So okay. some people uh, already, the people who are ready to embrace the complexity and try to solve it, started to create some UML models which are really depicting what we have. Mm -hmm. um, I, I even seen in 2015-16, where when you look at, again, the repositories, created before you can even see some automated interface creations like XST files coming from these UML models it was getting more and more professional I should say really more mm -hmm. executable model instead of just knowledge gathering and sharing um, but in all of these stories there is there is there was a missing piece which is a framework so there was not a single way of creating models the modeling languages were not that much uh, structured so there are several ways to model with UML and SysML as you know mm -hmm. so uh, I tried to put this missing piece into puzzle by trying to create a framework and also a, a, a way of working and the other missing piece was basically uh, the models were never at the base so they were always the supporting artifact of the of the main channel, which is documentation. And that's why we, not just uh, people before me, but it's always a common pattern that you give up maintaining the models if it's not at the base of your thing. So that was also the missing piece in the puzzle. So mm -hmm. we were not, I think Wanda was not putting models at the base of the, of, of the, of the development of the configuration management and et cetera. So th these are basically things I, I put on the, on the frame. 
did you join Wonderland to to create this missing piece? Was this that your first task in the, in the MPSE journey? Well, that, that was that 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 uh, went a little bit in a different way, but I think it was part of the story. I was mm -hmm. starting from uh, defense, which you might imagine putting a good foundation on your systems engineering and model-based uh, approach. That's what I have learned in my ex-employment in Turkey. And there was a certain reason, I think, I started to work uh, here also. They, they need a structure on the systems engineering, not from the documentation perspective, also on the model-based. So I have been asked to investigate this as a site task. I was doing the airports projects, like Hong Kong, But at the same time, uh, I was I was trying to understand how we can move the complete APOS design from document-based to model-based. And, and I, I was basically taking this as a kind of sidetrack, but later on it became an official task for me. And in the beginning, I was trying to apply this only for APOS platform, APOS platform business and then uh, APOS platform and the business models. And then I was asked to apply this to the whole business segments, try to create a framework applicable to everything we do as Wonderland. Okay, and when you are talking about foundation and uh, platforms, uh, what do you mean by that? Well, you can accept the the MBSC foundation as a light definition for the framework, actually. Because when you say that, hey, I'm defining a framework for you, it can create a heavy feeling on the other side. We call it MBSC foundation. So that's basically what we are trying to create. And this framework is just having a meta model to explain people not just the content, but the main structure of the models. So a kind of conformance guideline. Also, the way of working. Uh, this is basically what the MBSC Foundation is about. And the platform? So, these are different things, right? The MBSE Foundation is more the, the methodology, and yeah. the platform is your product itself, right? Yeah, the platform is, is you can accept platform as a, as a system with its own architecture and product line. So it is similar to product line, not completely, but because it says a system architecture, uh, we platforms are basically not necessarily, they don't need to be model-based, of course. Our platforms are just reusable asset repositories in each business mm -hmm. segment so that each project can be instantiated from this reusable asset repository. You don't need to start from scratch, all of your functional decomposition, structural decomposition, you just need to pick what you need. We are nowadays calling configure to order business instead of engineer to order. So that's what the platforms are about. Mm -hmm. So that means you have this platform approach really from the requirements or at least from a functional layer uh, throughout your bombs in the end. Yes, that's true. That's, that's, that's for your cool. technology. That's for your technology environment. Like you are trying to generalize requirements or features which can cover the markets, 
and then your reusable asset repository should be covering as much as possible so that you don't need to reinvent things for each customer specific use. Well, that, how does it work? Well, that's, that's a dream for many organizations to have something like that, a, a working product line in the MSE environment. So how uh, does it work? Indeed, indeed. It's, it, it's very challenging and I would be really happy when it really works. We are really working hard to make it work. Mm -hmm. in, um, and having a platform in its own uh, environment is a challenging task, but applying an MBAC to this, which is actually our topic today, is mm -hmm. an extra challenge because from what, I, what I've learned before and what I'm studying and also applying, doing MBAC for a project can be a little bit better, like focusing on a certain customer requirement and applying this decomposition according to the needs is fine, but when you try to apply it for platforms, you need to create a reusable asset repository for your models, so mm -hmm. that uh, so that each project can reuse your your platform models. Um, what what we are working on nowadays uh, is to, to to define the core part, which is not changing per project and the variable part explicitly so that you can at least uh, work on work on the variant modeling in a different way than the core modeling so core modeling can still work with, with main artifacts which is a little bit a little bit more straightforward i should say when it comes to variant model you need to do different stuff but also we are trying to simplify things for projects such as if you have a model for your uh, core part and even for the variant part which is not specified for customers so you have it already you don't need to ask your projects to 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 be dealt with models they just need to configure what you have but at least they can focus on the customer specific part so they can spend their time to create models for the customer specific part but to be ready applying this we we try to introduce a data connection from the models to a web-based application like you can use the data of the model instead of mm -hmm. trying to understand the models which you already have in your product line because the models for the platform is only for the product line and that's a communication pattern that's a communication channel you need to do in your development environment but when it comes to deploy some customer solution you don't need to expose your models to the customer environment. That's basically the, one of the most important stuff we are trying to implement. Mm -hmm. um, for, for, the, for, the other, for, for the other aspect of it, um, so we want solution team to spend more time on the customer specific part, but that means we have a big task in the R&D environment to really uh, make the change impact analysis consistent and also the models which are being created by different teams are not looking very different from each other that's where that's where this meta model comes into place in other words meta models should also show your core and variant parts separated from each other uh, that's that's basically um, that's basically what we are spending time on to, to really apply product line engineering on an MBSC environment. Um, 
maybe for this one, Tim, mm-hmm. maybe make it more tangible. I can I can show the, the platform and the project connection a little bit better to you by by some by some slides if you like. Yeah, that's a good idea. Uh, please explain the slides so that our pure audio listeners also understand it. <laughs> yeah. That would be great. I hope it's visible. Mm-hmm. It is? Yeah. So the platform is basically, as you can see at the bottom of our picture, it's a kind of reusable asset repository again which can be instantiated for different customer projects. Mm-hmm. And as you can see in the middle of the picture, we have a reality, which is a kind of airports. This is the Heathrow project at the back end, and on top of it, you see the customer solution model. That's really what you are deploying. Uh, but this, this model, of course, does not mean too much for the stakeholders if, not, if you are not creating views. And you need to be able to create different views. And these different views, as you can imagine, in the, in, for instance, CSML, like CSML pillars, like you have a behavior view, you have a structure. Mm-hmm. Uh, you might have also customer-specific uh, views, like the layout, like our 3D environment in Vandana, which is very important, how the, uh, how the mechanical equipment is really fitting into building that you need to show. But if you speak about models, you do not only mean SysML models, you mean MBSE models in general, so including CAT models and whatever models. Okay. Exactly. <laughs> okay. So you, see, you see in the in this diagonal, you see the, the software structure and the function capabilities. We were really, you can cover them easily with the very well-known aspects of SysML and UML. Uh, mm-hmm. When it comes to this logistic view, for instance, like the material flow diagram, you might need to switch to domain-specific languages, which we are, for instance, looking at. And as you mm-hmm. mentioned, when it comes to mechanical, it's, it's the CAD model. But mm-hmm. this, this view is also interesting. If you look at the right-hand side, you see a configuration view point. That's basically how we want to set. So if you can emit the data of your configurability in a, in a certain way, in a customer meeting, but we are saying this is a configure to order business. That's that's how you can execute this platform model for a certain customer starting from sales till the end of deployment. That's what we are also trying to put in the context. Mm-hmm. And the other view you see on the left is a documentation. So it's always a topic in MBSC. Are you able to create documents out of model? That's what we want to do. If it's if it's hundred percent uh, coming from what you have done before, you shouldn't be writing the text again and again. That's what basically we are saying. So this is all in this image. Uh, in a nutshell, same system mean different things for different stakeholders, and you need to really understand all these views by communicating with your stakeholders. That's what we are doing. Mm-hmm. And furthermore, you haven't seen the meta model in this discussion yet because your meta model should be aiming different businesses. So in this slide, you see AirPost platform model, warehousing platform model, and the parcel platform model. To, we are aiming these things to work in the same way, at least on the model-based environment. That's mm-hmm. why you need to be able to create a 
a common guideline at the bottom that's showing the relationship between each classes, each blocks. So what type of things you can have in this model? I think the theoretical definition for this is taxonomy of your model. Mm -hmm. And a part of it's ontology. So we are trying to merge this theoretical discussions like meta model, ontology, and taxonomy in a single thing called meta model. And we even call it MBSC foundation to make it even simpler for the company. So that's what you see on these slides. Okay. Uh, yeah, if I look at the slides, for example, for, for the airport, it looks like in, in the center you show a solution model and around I can see the different views, like the layout view of the airport, uh, or the, the software view, or the functional views, and, and so on. But the, in the middle, the solution model is physically, these are several models, right? Or it's it's a cat model, and it's a system model, and so on. Uh, so logically, it's a single solution model, but physically, you have several models. Exactly. So exactly. How do you connect these models? Well, that's one of the big challenges today. Yeah. <laughs> For many companies, how to connect different models, so this model interoperability, how does it work? Well, in, in our case, um, on the tech, a little bit, uh, I think we can, we will, we will talk about more details on the tool suite challenges, I guess, here, but mm -hmm. at, at least the interoperability now, we're not that much in good shape yet. So we are still using our existing tools like Sparks Enterprise Architect. Mm -hmm. Uh, we are using SysML and the Magic Grid framework, which explains how you should make this meta model. But when it comes to really realize it with this mm -hmm. interoperability, we are hitting the, the boundaries of our existing ICT architecture. In this story, of course, we are working on some gateways, like showing the proof of concepts, like trying to connect at least the requirements management tool to, to the modeling environment. To really be able to create documents automatically, maybe some some synchronization between these environments. Uh, when, when it comes to CAD models and etc., we need to think within the platform world a little bit, because mm -hmm. as I said, we have some domain-specific languages already in place. It's really difficult to call them officially DSLs, but as an organization, you already have them. So there are rules. In these mechanical models, we are we are now, for instance, running a project with TNO ESI here in Netherlands, just to focus on the relationship between these models and the PLM environment, product line management, like in Inovia, and uh, and our layouts environment, for instance. Uh, the transformations, I think, we we will be creating some gateways, but at the same time, while showing the necessities of this stuff with, with the ICT people in our company, we are looking for different tool suites, which are really mm -hmm. showing these dependencies immediately, like synchronized way. But for now, our transformations are really, uh, um, we are still too much optimizing the well-known uh, model artifacts like the functions and the structural view. The challenge is a little bit the configurations view, but we are still modeling this in the Sparks Enterprise Architect. So, in a nutshell, still the models are in a, in a kind of single tool island, but we are trying to connect them to the others as much as possible. That's what we are working on. 
Okay. And uh, then imagining that you are also doing model-based product line engineering, um, which is a challenging thing for itself. Uh, so what kind of technologies do you use in this direction? Yeah, let me stop sharing. And then uh, this, this product line engineering, um, we, we can call our platforms is product line engineering plus more. So it's not completely a product line because we are not just selling single product. They're already working together. There's an architecture and et cetera. And meaning that we have a bigger challenge, but at least just for this product line part, for the varied management, uh, we, we started to investigate some extensions to the existing CSML. Uh, as I said, we are using CSML mostly 1.5, waiting for 2.0 to be also more solidified. Uh, because I know very well, variety man management is more explicit there. What we are yeah. trying, what we are trying to do is looking at some uh, existing extensions like Vamos, for instance, from them. Mm -hmm. Try to apply it uh, in our project, uh, but at the same time, we have been realizing the variety trees are not that much difficult to model, even with the existing CML blocks. But when it comes to model, the constraints, the rules, mm -hmm. and to really execute them for verification, validation, and for selling purposes or your product line, we have a challenge there. That's where we are looking at for some transformation, like maybe modeling the rules in, in a little bit more domain-specific language environment, where we can make some XML connection between the Sparks environment and the other uh, rule-based modeling environments. So that's that's basically, uh, the, the one, one of the things we are doing, uh, the pure variance, we are look, we, we are also looking at this orthogonal variant modeling is another uh, method OVM. that mm -hmm. OVM. So all of all of these things are in our consideration. That's a very good good moment to speak about this because we are really running this project with TNO ESI right now, and. I think at the end of this project, somewhere in June, uh, we are finishing it and in July or August, you might see an article coming from our side on our learnings on this variant modeling, yeah. showing mm -hmm. the, how it, will, it can be applied in an automated logistics domain. So that will be, the, I think, the title of the article. I believe. Oh, cool. Yeah, it reminds me that we have to have two more episodes, one on Vamos and one we have to invite Danilo Boiche from Pure Systems. Yeah. <laughs> it will be interesting also for me there. And I, I'm currently in a project where we combine both, uh, which uh, yeah, perfectly fits together. Uh, with Vamos, you, you can model variability and you can model the, the features and the feature constraints. No, if you select this feature, you must also select that one, etc. Um, but you can also extract the feature modeling to pure variance, uh, which uh, makes sense if it's not only about SysML, uh, and that the feature model should also impact other models, not only the SysML model. Oh, yeah. uh, but the modeling of the variability in SysML um, can still be done with, uh, with the VAMOS, of course. So it works perfectly yeah, yeah. together. The, the, the PSL discussion is a little bit, we have some complexities, like very, very complicated rules. 
just uh, sometimes need some DSL extension. That's also a very interesting learning uh, for us mm -hmm. on the way. Yeah. Okay, so, well, yeah, you do a lot of sophisticated MBSE stuff, I would say. Uh, so, and what do you think are well, the main organizational challenges in adapting MBSE? So, one part is the technical challenges, but what are about the organizational challenges? Yeah, that's the that's the bittersweet part. We <laughs> of the meal now. So uh, acceptance and ownership. That might sound cliche. I think I see this answer as a copy paste in, in many contexts, especially if you are trying to embed this on a, on a wider scope. And if you have someone responsible to do that, I, I think that's that's still the biggest uh, challenge. Um, I need to maybe I need to go back to what I did before, like as I explained in airports, I tried to do that as a sidetrack and I was trying to use it in the project and showing the value immediately. At the same time, having meetings with, with, with many stakeholders and I, I, I was not a domain senior, meaning that I, was, I, I, need, I needed to find senior architects knowing the domain, also can understand what CISML and UML means, I should say. And, mm -hmm. and not running away when I call something called meta model, <laughs> if it's still theoretical, let's say. And also some executive leaders, of course. You need to find some some budget owners, some sponsors. I was mostly aiming that part, saying that if I if I have these green lights, then we can uh, go. But I think that was not the whole story. So acceptance and ownership is really running in the teams. So you cannot really understand your acceptance and ownership by just looking at the organizational chart. So you need to look at who is who is struggling about this document creation, who is struggling about doing some certain stuff and maybe they don't need model, they need something else. And you really need to hear these stories first to understand the, the level of details in your models. But also they need to be involved from day one. I mean if you go there with a complete story there's not much room for improvement, and you, you're just staying with your great models. I mean, it's really like the ivory tower uh, behavior happening also in the MBSE. That's not only for MBSE, you can imagine, in all kinds of transformation. And what I did now, for instance, in this new task, I tried to get all stakeholders involved as much as possible from day one, so that they can define the meta model. So it's a kind of language you need to create all together. So everyone needs to understand the same thing from a function. And the function can be written in 100 different ways in all systems engineering books. Even in SysML, you can say, I have a function, but there is a property which makes it non-functional. You, you really need to align on this stuff from day one mm -hmm. so that they can feel that that's also their own thing. So that they can all. So that's basically would be my message to everyone. When it comes to, they face the same challenge on acceptance and ownership. All right. Uh, so, uh, can, uh, for a question to that, uh, do you translate your your meta model or your your language, your MBSE language, into the models? Meaning that you uh, do not use for, uh, the the system L term, for example, activity, but instead use your term for that, and uh, by using stereotypes and name it and function or whatever. Yeah, that, that's where the story went a little bit theoretical for our team, but thanks for asking, because uh, actually that's what we are doing. 
So we are mm -hmm. somehow tuning some names like now we don't call it uh, a function, but we call it the capability. So that mm -hmm. so that that's that's maybe more resonating with the company. But when it comes to certain diagram artifacts, we are not hiding the fact that we are using use case modeling. They are use mm -hmm. cases, uh, but people are just understanding. Hey, we have a capability model here. So they don't need to understand what the use case is. But it's not a very formal meta model, meaning that there is not a toolbox that you can drag and drop different artifacts like a profile. It's not mm -hmm. there yet, although mm -hmm. I'm thinking about it. Mm -hmm. How we are deploying this meta model now is just a little bit knowledge model, I should say. And then we are creating the platform models for each business segment that they look exactly the same how the meta model looks like. They have the same relationship between all of their packages and classes and even views. And then they can always look back how the meta model looks like. But the relationship between these elements are not automatically transferred to each other. But in time, after a while, after a solid meta model thing, we are planning to create a verification template. Like you can compile your platform model saying that, okay, you are still in the meta model or you have some relationship which doesn't make sense for the meta model. That, that's also what I'm planning to do in future. Okay. Cool. Yeah, but um, I'm still interested in, in those uh, acceptance and ownership things. I, I guess this is much more the problem than finding the right tool chain or, or something like that. Yeah, that's true. I mean, there, there is one trap, for instance, we have found ourselves recently. Uh, it was a little bit similar question and answer that just happened between Tim and me. So when you, when you, when you are really enjoying modeling, when you are enjoying, when you know the MDSE and similar UML, that can also stay very theoretical for the organization. You can say, hey, we have a nice language here. We, we, we created this meta model together, but you should be able to create very quick proof of concepts, like really maybe documented as part of a baseline or creating some software for them. They can drag and drop a block and the interface is automatically appearing. So if you're not able to show this very quickly, you can also find a trap, uh, find yourself in a trap that I have found. So uh, I, I've heard a lot of criticism, for instance, like it's too theoretical. So. We need a PhD to understand this MDS. These type of things are also uh, something that's right now happening, for instance. That's why we started to deploy some proof of concepts very quickly. So I already started to see some teams are taking it as, 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 as part of their daily job. So we have some acceptance. But the ownership is also like the validation of the systems. You need to wait one year to see that they are really maintaining it. So, uh, I think maybe in another episode after a year, we can close the loop saying that, hey, the ownership is there. Uh, but I'm, I'm still hopeful that, that, that we will really uh, overcome this acceptance of ownership uh, challenge. Mm -hmm. uh, I think the, well, another part, side of the coin of, of uh, acceptance is uh, the right tool. Um, yeah. 
you could have the, a very good methodology and concept, et cetera, et cetera, but if you don't have the, the tool, then it does not work in, in practice or it's not, not very effective to do that. No? Exactly. So, um, and you mentioned that this is another organizational challenge. So what, what exactly do you mean by, by that challenge in your context? Actually, it's the kind of cliche from time to time when you say, hey, the right tool suites are very important because I've been hearing more and more, hey, the tools are coming later. First, define your methodology, define what you need. Mm -hmm. But especially looking at my previous answer, like you need to be able to show the proof of concept as quick as possible. To be able to do that, you need to write connection with your existing structure. The reason why I'm saying the existing structure, if you are not creating systems engineering as a greenfield in your company, if you have something already in place, probably you have systems engineers who know how things work. They know how doors can, can be used for requirements management and the traceability. Things are in place. It might work, it might not work as well. You might have some personal view on this topic. It should be improved. But this is a stable environment. If you somehow show just a sidetrack without being able to synchronize the, the current channel and your side channel, you will never be able to show the proof of concept values as, as big as you think, because that's not an added value. So you are bringing something, but at the same time, you're taking something out of the box. It's a kind of chicken and egg scenario. So you don't have mm -hmm. the right tool suite in place because you have a vision first and before having the right tool suite you believe that you're not able to show the real value as you are imagining um, that's why i think the solution to that at least what we are doing is without explaining the details to people what you are doing just try to connect with gateways like it can be bi-directional it can be just export import like what we are doing in the variety management maybe and then you can say that if I have a full synchronization here, like in this tool suite, it will be 100% better. So just give me this tool suite so that I can go that way. So that's what mm -hmm. basically we are doing in, a, in Wonderland, which is really profit-based. You should always show the value to be invested in. So that would be my answer to this uh, tool suite challenge question. Mm -hmm. Yeah, was definitely very interesting to see what's what's going on in the field and um, yeah so our our time is more or less already over okay so yeah. thank you very much Fatih, for your insights and your openness talking about your approaches um, i hope people can learn from it um, we will link your uh, linkedin profile so people can get in touch with you if they have additional questions. Uh, of course, uh, people, you can write your comments below the video or below the uh, streams, and we will give the questions to Fatih. Nice. Yeah, to everybody who is not subscribed yet, please don't forget to subscribe the channel so you're getting informed about new videos and the next episode will be with Daniel Siegel about a tool and uh, we are talking about Lemon Tree. 
Unfortunately, we can't give you a date. We are still in consideration with Daniel, uh, but we you will find uh, on the uh, known channels uh, the information on the website mbse.rocks or on the YouTube channel. You will find the date. Yeah, that's it for today. Uh, but do not yeah. forget, trust us. Trust us. We are systems engineers. Correct. Goodbye. <laughs> bye bye. Bye.